Hi, everyone. This is Jackie Cooper with Love Travel Scotland. We want to welcome Ennevet, and we want to welcome uh, you back to this episode. So um, we're posting different things about, you know, castles and places to go and also holidays um, that you can enjoy when you're over here in Scotland. And one of the things that I mentioned, I know, um, in our last episode was that uh, we're, we're in the process of writing the next episode of the Bitcoin Cinderella and the Scottish Unicorn, which is um, a book that I'm, I'm really kind of excited to be diving into. And in doing the research, we've come across, and that's been helping me out, um, about with a lot of Scottish folklore and myths. Uh, but before we kind of share what we've um, been learning, um, Yvette, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks, Jackie. I'm doing great today. Do you want to offer those that might not be familiar with your background? Do you want to share a little bit more about what you're doing? Yes, yeah, so I'm Yvette Helps, um, also known as MacDonald, and I'm a part of Love Travel Scotland group as well. Um, I also um, am an associate state agent with Remax Scotland. Um, so I cover travel to the local area of Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire, specifically, um, as well as the whole of Scotland, and also um, properties for buying and selling in Aberdeenshire too. So um, it's great to learn about the history of my local area and uh, the rest of Scotland as well, along uh, sharing the things in the group. Yeah, so um, in doing the research for the book, which will be out soon um, on Amazon, uh, we're going to have a, a companion guide, which will well, actually, there might be two companion guides, but one is going to be, you know, tips on how to travel through Scotland. And then the other companion guide will be um, sort of a, a puzzle piece because the the Bitcoin Cinderella actually is um, an adventure where clues are being left all around the world for Samantha, who's a Bitcoin Cinderella, to find her mom. So there's going to be a way for people to play that game. But today we're going to be talking about Scottish archaeology and how that kind of connects with the myth and legends and folklore. And I am looking at a picture right now that um, reminded both of us of Stonehenge, but in fact it's not. But these are stones that are placed around a circle and they, they have special meanings. Um, I know, Yvette, you've traveled around a lot. Um, do you, um, do you want to share a little bit about your knowledge of the history of some of these? Yes, yeah, so there are quite a lot of Pictish stones around Scotland. What these are is usually they're quite a big stone and they have etched deep engravings into the stone. Um, a lot of them go back to the 1600s, if not earlier, to pagan times and fairy times. Um, and even linking that into modern day symbolism, it's still quite apparent that that's still quite current, even though it, you know, maybe started hundreds of years ago. So it's quite interesting to go around Scotland to the different areas. Um, one of them locally to me in Aberdeenshire is called the Broomend of Crikey. Um, there's stones there. They're 1400 years old and it has a Pictish beast as a symbol on the stone. Um, and it's said to warn strangers of the dangers of water. So sometimes um, th this Pictish beast is of the Kelpies and they were to, um, they can be, appear as humans or as horses and they were to scare people. And it's believed they were to warn people to be wary of the dangers of water in the area. Um, but, you know, who knows because it's going back to the 1400s and history doesn't always, it's a bit like Chinese whispers, isn't it sometimes? 
Yeah, it's amazing, you know, that, um, but then again, if you think about it, sometimes when you are walking in different um, areas, the, it looks like it's solid, and yet it could be swampy. So it's possible that the stones might have been placed in areas where it was dangerous to walk because the ground might have been wet and muddy and people might have kind of slipped in, um, you know, to a pit or something like yeah. that. Uh, absolutely. There was, I can't remember the name of the castle that I was researching um, previously. We did this, I think, last year, Jackie, was when we were researching, we actually seen a lock near the castle. But when we looked at current times, there was no lock there. It had disappeared. So you're right about the changing landscapes around the area. Yeah. So um, I know that in the in the book, there's going to be definitely different fairies and things like that that will be um you know part of the characters but um i know that the in the fairies play a very important role in scotland and there's a lot of different um places um that uh, talk about them um what what background do you uh do you want to share about the, maybe the fairies and how they're connected um, there's quite a lot of fairy um, history around Stirlingshire. Um, there's the Aberfeldy fairies, um, there's the fairy wood down there, but also um, in Stirlingshire in 1796, a cyst containing um, human bones was found um, on the site in Stirlingshire known as the Fairy No. And the excavation was uncovered a broch of signs of violent destruction by fire as well as several high status objects, including a spiral fingered ring with decorative necks. Um, so there are lots of things to do with fairies. The fairy know um, the remains of Buckley v. Brock from the east. Um, a lot of these landscapes just look normal to the eye, unless you're following some historical path or some research on the internet, you might just look at something and think it's a hill with some bushes on the top and not realize that it has some historical significance to it. Um, there are lots of stones around Scotland, again, with pictitious symbols. One is called um, the Fallen Eagle, which is the Clach in Tabin, which is the Eagle Stone. And that, again, is about 1300 years old. And that symbol stone is in the Highlands. And it's a 17th century, a seer reportedly predicted that should it fall three times, ships would anchor on the spot since it has supposedly fallen twice already, it's now set in concrete. <laughs> so I don't know if that was because nobody wanted any ships to anchor in the spot or if that was just to stop damage. <laughs> I don't know when it was concreted into, into the earth, but yeah, you, you should definitely take to the internet and just Google the English words, the Eagle Stone, um, pictitious symbol in the Highlands, and you would find out more information about, about that stone. So what's yeah. interesting to me about the fact that they're talking about three times and the ships would anchor, I don't even know that it's even close to water. But again, no, I don't either. yeah, so from that perspective, I mean, they maybe were anticipating, you know, um, the, the water rising. And, um, you know, and also, if we're going back to the 17th century, I mean, ships might not have been the word that was actually used in, in the Gaelic, it might just have been a word that has been lost in translation, who knows? Yeah, yeah. but they have translated it as being ships. Um, like you said, I don't think it is near a body of water, but 
it could have been back then. Again, the word just could have been taken as the wrong word. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So I know that in researching the book, The Bitcoin Cinderella and the um, the Scottish Unicorn, um, there there's so many fairy tales that I've come across. And I'm going to mispronounce this. So you're going to have to help me out. The Gilly Do? Yeah, um, that's right. That's how I would say all right, so that's a, a male fairy who lives alone in the forest and camouflages himself using leaves and moss. And it's believed he lived around uh, Gearlock um, in the Highlands, um, also home to a prehistoric uh, uh, fort and medieval island. Um, so again, it's called the Giant's Rock. And um, these fairy tales often were historic. You know, they integrated the history of the area. Um, so what do you, what, when you were growing up, um, what fairy tales do you remember, you know, reading or being shared? Was this, was this something that you, this story, was this read to you? No, I, I don't. Growing up um, when I did in Scotland, primarily our history taught in schools was about Great Britain or about UK history or um, the empire of Britain. We actually, um, Scottish history was knocked out of Scotland, funny enough. And I think that was so that we wouldn't know our history, so that there would be more, no more wars of independence. However, that didn't go too well because we don't have wars of independence now. We have elections and um, referendums for that. But um, no, I, so I don't, I never actually grew up with really any fairy tales, just normally fairy tales that probably Americanized and, uh, and the English ones from the books. Interesting. So the ones, I think Disney has quite, you know, taken on the fairy tales. So, you know, and whether they're true or fiction or got a bit of a spin on them um, to, to dilute the narrative and things like that. But no, it's only more recently in the last maybe 10, 15 years that Scotland has started to focus on teaching more about its history, especially to the youngsters in Scotland. I think it's important to always know history. Um, you know, it's part of our roots. Um, I know, you know, you're in the Aberdeenshire area and um, there was a stone circle there. Um, do you want to talk about uh, yeah. that stone circle? Absolutely. So we do have quite a lot of stones in Aberdeenshire. Um, this one that is not very neighborly is, is said to be the spirits represented human interference um, when stones from the Mains of Hatton recumbent stone circle in Aberdeenshire were removed to form gateposts. Horses seemed to sense their anger and avoided the gate, so the farmer decided to return the stones to their original site. The spirits approved of this change of heart, while two horses were difficult, uh, dragged with difficulty dragged each stone downhill to the gate. Um, one only found it easy work to pull a stone uphill from the gate to the circle. So I think that the farmer had bad luck when he moved the stones, um, and he. He didn't like the way his horses reacted to them and uh, he obviously sensed something as well himself and decided that he should put the stones back to where they were and again with them being historical that was probably a good idea but I don't know when he moved the stones um, it, it's just written down that he had some very bad luck and it wasn't very neighborly so yeah um again sometimes we um don't realize what we're doing when we move things that are historical so <laughs> it's... absolutely and we have a lot of trying i think i've spoken about this before we have a lot of dry stone dikes around aberdeenshire and around scotland 
um, they are supposed to be protected. But again, you know, to the average person who doesn't know, you might just look at it and think it's a wall and think it's okay just to move a couple of stones from it. Whereas ideally you shouldn't be. Yeah. So I know one of the things that you've told me that I should be looking at, especially because um, one, it would be very interesting to incorporate them into the book as characters are the, about the sleeping giants. So um, you, let's talk a little bit more about what these sleeping giants are. Um, I, I, I know that um, they're extremely old, over 5,000 years old. So do you want to chat more about that? Yes, yeah, so the, the dwarfing stain is a 5,000 year old chamber tomb, which was hollowed out before the invention of metal tools. Um, around about an Arcadian legend claims that the residents were, were giants uh, who once had to gnaw their way out through the roof, but the narrow entrance and two small bed-like spaces inside suggest otherwise. <laughs> also, um, I think it was the giants at the causeway um, that, that go on to over to Ireland that we were talking about as well, the giant steps. Yep, yep. So there are some references to giants in Scotland. There are references to fairies, the devil, to evil, and all sorts of things as well. So um, there's definitely a lot of uh, deep, dark history before Christian times came over here. Um, so it depends, you know, history is how far back do you want to go? <laughs> That's true. Um, I, I know that there are many stories not just in Scotland about people um, who have been turned to stone and here again it happens to be in your own town of Aberdeenshire yeah, I went is, one Jackie I, yes. I, I know it was there and I drove past it and then I turned the car around parked up and went to have a look at it and I took my own photos of this one too and yeah this one a really interesting story um, and shall, shall I, I say what it is? Yes, please. Okay, so this stone in Aberdeenshire, according to the legend, is of a fictitious um, maiden, and it's called the Maiden Stone. And the history behind it was 12,000 years ago, it was carved, and it's supposed to be actually of a woman who was turned to stone after losing a wager with the devil. And she had bet with him that she could bake bannocks. We have bannock cakes, you might want to look that up before he could build, so she could bake bannocks before he could build a road to the top of the nearby hill of Benahi. That's my local uh, mountain hill. And he finished the roads before the bread was ready and she fled and he transformed her into a maiden stone. So it's supposed to be like a shot of like lightning that's carved out of the side of the stone. If anybody wants to look that one up, it's called the maiden stone and it's in Aberdeenshire. Um, it depicts many pictures on it. It has the, the mirror. It also has um, the unicorn and some more. It's got really interested in symbolism on it, especially if you are interested in symbolism and how that transfers over to modern day times. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I love um, animals. I love sea life and marine life and the other thing that um, was very interesting to discover is that in the Scottish mythology um, there was discussion about how seals could change to human forms and they were called selkies and they changed by shedding their skin um, so um, what have you heard or learned about selkies from you know being in Scotland yeah, so Scottish mythology says that, um, like you said, the Selkies can change from seals into humans by shedding their skin. 
This is around about 6,000 year old um, midden sites. It's the refuse heaps on Orense. And the archaeologists around there found bones from human hands buried alongside those of seal flippers. So we now know relatively little about how the first people who hunted, fished and gathered plants in the Mesolithic Scotland saw the world. It's tempting to see the prehistoric precursor to the story existing thousands of years ago, but it's amazing how history can be written just because some bones are found together with a seal and then it causes a story or, or you know, um, a, a legend or something along that lines. Again, I don't, that's like um, mermaids and unicorns, who knows? So I'm gonna skip over to a different animal uh, that I, we found a little tale about and it, it's about a dog. Um, and it seems to move um, near a standing stone near a village that's actually near a castle. Um, have you been to this Murthley castle or can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, I haven't actually been there. It's in, yeah, the village of Murthley in Perthshire. Um, and you find a chest there guarded by, or it said that you find a chest there guarded by a black dog. The stone in the legend is probably a large prehistoric monument in the grounds of Murthley Castle. Uh, thousands of years ago, later in the mid 9th century, uh, somebody carved a person being chased by a large beast onto the sandstone slab, which was found near the village in 1886. Um, and um, again, if you go to visit that, please don't try, or any of the other stones, please don't try and, and move any of them. Um, but yes, again, the stones and the significance of stones throughout Scotland is really interesting. So, um, you know, today we're going to be talking about 10 or 11 different areas that you guys can go and explore. And we'll, um, you know, obviously throughout the time of posting, we'll post links and other things. Um, another, and I'm not quite sure why it's called this, but there's uh, another area called the personal trainer and it's about a Scottish warrior. Um, and I'm not even going to try to use, to say and, and butcher the, the Scottish terms. It's also near a castle and it's a fortress of shadows and it's the picture is just beautiful. Do you want to kind of explain a little bit more about this mythological hero and and what she was uh, doing and that type of thing? It's also interesting that it was a woman. Yeah, so so the medieval Scottish structure is uh, the older fortified site and it still remains perched on the, the, uh, the rock above Loch Eishort. I probably butchered that as well. Um, with parts of a curtain wall still clinging to the edge of the cliff. Um, if you can see the pictures of Dunscaith Castle, um, there's still a beautiful arch that's there that hasn't collapsed yet. Um, I don't really know much about the warrior. There isn't really much written about her. Um, it's, again, probably because she was female and females really weren't recognised much at the time. So probably more as we go back and dig deeper into Scottish history, we might be able to uncover more about what females played a part of that. Mm -hmm. That would be a really interesting um, segment for us to look into in terms of um, female or, or, or uh, heroes and in mythology and, and also in, in history. 
um, I because we're all about um, empowerment for everyone. Um, you had mentioned earlier um, the Giants Causeway, and I'm looking at a picture right now, which is just phenomenal in terms of the um, the hexagon columns and how they kind of are um, uh, just kind of etched into the the wall. Um, do you want to share a little bit more about this area? And it definitely is preserved, and it's you know definitely a place to go and see. It reminds me of like the Grand Canyon. It's something that should be on everyone's um, list of Absolutely. It should definitely be on everybody's bucket list. I haven't gone to see it yet, but I am hoping to go over and see it very soon. And it said that the giant causeway in Scotland is um, are made of hexagonal basalt columns on Staffa, and they're the remains of the causeway built by a giant. So there are quite a lot of references in Scotland to giants. Um, but it says he wasn't the only visitor thanks to a burnt grain of hulled barley excavated by the National Trust for Scotland archaeologist in 2016. We know that people were probably living on the island 3,800 years ago. So um, it's quite interesting um, how these steps were formed. Um, not really, don't really know whether it was just naturally with the landscape or whether they were formed by giants, but obviously the National Trust for Scotland archaeologists will be looking more deeply into that. But it's definitely a place that everybody should go visit, the Scotland side and the Ireland side as well. Um, just a, an awesome picture to go and see and to take as well. And like I said, have it on your bucket list, tick it off. So you did a very easy transition into our next topic because you used the word awesome. So there is a lock, there's a lock that is called Lock Awe. And, um, you know, as some people say it's Lock Awesome uh, because of, of the beauty of it. Um, and also what's very interesting about this legend is it's a, a legend about another um, woman, but, and again, she is again, turned to stone. Um, do you want to kind of share a little bit more about where this is located and um, a little bit more about its history? Yes, yeah, so the legend has it that, um, that excuse my pronunciation, that Caelich, a divine guardian, guardian watched over the fountain on Ben Cruchen in Argyll and she'd cover the spring with a stone at sundown and remove it at dawn. And one evening she fell asleep and well and the well overflowed, forming Loch Awe. Over time, the loch became home to over 20 crannogs, which were prehistoric water dwellings, um, and even a few medieval castles. And the Caelich was turned to stone for her negligence, but to this day she still watches over Loch Awe from the top of Ben Crocan. Excuse my um, pronunciation. I'm sure if you know how to pronounce that, you can put the phonics pronunciation for me in the comments. That would be great. So um, you're doing a much better job than I would, for sure. <laughs> so I, um, you know, I there's a few more places that we're gonna explore um, before we'll um, sign off for the day, but, um, I'm, I'm looking at this picture of, it's, it's a peninsula and it's north of um, a, a town that you always laugh at me in terms of how I pronounce it, but um, what is a Shelley? Um, and uh, share a little bit more about the docks that it was found in. So, so there's a huge boulder, it's in Leith and that's a port in the north of Edinburgh. 
and it, it was, as you said, was home to Shelley Coates, a mischievous bogeyman who rattled around in a in seashells coat um, until it was moved in the 19th century when work began on the construction of the Leith docks. Um, early in 2019, archaeologists, that's really recent, archaeologists from um, AOC um, Archaeology uncovered part of the docks, which reportedly displaced the poor creatures who hasn't been spotted since. So, um, yeah, the Leith docks and Arthur's seat um, is worth a visit in Edinburgh. If anybody is visiting Edinburgh, there is definitely look up um, history and modern history, too, because some things have only just been discovered as well. So I'm kind of um, jumping all over and I'm going down, I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about fee, fi, fo, fum. Uh, and, and I smell the blood of an Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this funny that? That's not a fairy tale that I grew up to, but I think I think um, we, we did actually, I do remember that saying, fee, fi, fo, fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. And it was said to, I don't know, scare you in some form way. Yeah, so I'm looking at these stone walls that are just beautiful, um, and it um, is in the Scottish borders. They were built over 2,000 years ago, um, and I guess it's called Eden's Hall Broche, and it's one of the few Iron Age towers in lowland Scotland. Um, so several 19th century accounts suggest that the name refers to a giant, Eton or Eden, who plagued the area until a poor old woman gave someone the answers to his questions about Scottish history and the acts that eventually killed him. So that's kind of interesting that um, uh, there was again, a woman who kind of saved Scotland because she was able to answer the questions. Have you, um, have you had a chance to go down and explore that area? No, I haven't been down to explore that area. I actually um, didn't know about that until until recently. So that's an area that I will look into, but not something that I'm currently aware of. I just think it's interesting that you do the fee fi fo fum, um, and then how we put on the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the of the verses. Um, I don't actually know where that saying came from, but I do actually, when you were asking me about fairy tales now, I do remember growing up with that saying, so maybe I should look a little bit more into that. Yeah, it's, familiar, it's familiar to me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably used in some fairy tales that are on this side of the ocean as well. So, I think it's familiar from Disney maybe a little bit. Maybe, maybe. So we'll give them a plug. We'll plug Universal and uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to get a fair shot. So with that being said, um, we're going to be having other episodes about other fairy tales and mythological creatures, as well as places to explore, because history is fun, and it definitely brings things to life. Any last minute thoughts that you want to share about before we sign off? Um, just that, yeah, history absolutely is fun, but history is generally written from the side of winners. So definitely research all sides to make sure that you know all the information and then make up your own mind. That is so true. Very, very true. And not all history gets written down. Some of it's oral traditions. And Absolutely. yeah, and that's another reason why, um, you know, many times we should be thinking about getting those oral traditions into some sort of written form so they're not lost. So with that being said, everyone have a great day. Definitely like and subscribe. Send us wherever you want us to research and we are happy to do that. And we'll also send you links so you can go and explore the various places that we chatted about on this. 
Um, and we'll talk soon. Have a great one. Bye.